Welcome back to another episode of the Play for Keeps podcast. I'm your host Cameron Hay at Cameron Hay on Twitter. I'm joined by Drew Williams at Dope is Drew on Twitter, and this is a special episode, huh, Drew? I think we got. I think this is it's fair to say this is a special episode. Definitely. Uh, we're reporting live from the home of one of the greatest players to ever play, arguably the best player in the world right now. You guys might know him by Easy Money Sniper, The Servant, <laughs> Slim Reaper. The streets might call him a snake. You never know what it is. Nah, but <laughs> we're joined by Kevin Durant for the second episode of the Play for Keeps podcast. How you doing, Kev? Hey, what up, fellas? You good? Appreciate y'all having me on, man. Uh, we appreciate you joining us. How you doing? Man, cool, cool. Quarantine been holding up. You've been doing good in these yeah, times? Man. You know, as long as, I get, like, as long as I can hoop, I'm straight, you know? So yeah. I found, found somewhere for me to hoop. Workout, so I'm good, especially now basketball back on, so it's cool. Yeah, it's, you're chilling. No doubt, no doubt. Uh, what you been up to other than hooping? Any, like, movies, video yeah. games, TV, or anything? I've really been on 2K heavy since the quarantine <laughs> quarantine started, you know what I'm saying? Uh, but I've been off of it lately, so I've been just watching movies. I mean, especially with the NBA starting back up. Yeah. It's, it's hard for me to stay away from that, but before, I was on 2K at least eight. Seven, eight hours a day. <laughs> we, saw you, we saw you playing a tournament on ESPN and everything. Yeah, I got right. smacked smack around. But. Hey, who cooked him? Uh, <laughs> that was Derrick Jones. <laughs> Still mad about that one. Oh, man. But, uh, what about as far as music? We saw you uh, tweeting out the Blue Bucks clan lyrics yeah. the other day. We yeah, see you, yeah. you tweeting the uh, J Electronica yeah. written testimony lyrics. Anything that you've been listening to heavy while you just been inside or locking in while you hooping? Yeah, but the J Electronica, that's, that's on every day. The uh, Gunna. Uh, yeah. I like all the young dudes that's coming. I mean, obviously, the future Drake, you yeah. know, the regulars, J. Facts. Cole dropping some new shit. Facts. Uh, but I'm just trying to search for that from from the young dudes. I see a lot of a lot of young dudes that drill music coming up, so yeah. I've been listening to that too. So nah, that New York been sounding been sounding solid right now. No facts. The uh, Pop Smoke album just dropped. You already know, like mm-hmm. the drill and shit and everything yeah, like yeah, that. So yeah, you're. Exactly. Definitely on top. Exactly. And then I agree with you. The one album been in heavy rotation for heavy. Me, especially yeah. with the deluxe dropping. Man, it was yeah. crazy. The was one crazy. album definitely been in heavy rotation. Yeah. But we can go ahead and jump right into the the important stuff. <laughs> uh, sure. It's been what fourteen months since you played an actual NBA game, huh? Since probably June twenty nineteen, and it's now July, so thirteen months. Uh-huh. Uh, this is probably the longest you've gone since actually playing a game since maybe a, when you had the Jones fracture in mm-hmm. Oklahoma City. Yeah. Uh, what have you learned about yourself during this time? Is it anything you've been able to like figure out within? Has yeah. it made you mentally stronger sitting out this long? It's of course your game being able to sit out this long, but also be able to take this time to really hone your craft after you got healthy. But mentally, how are you right now in this moment? Yeah, it's been a, it was definitely a adjustment, you know, from being able to play every single day and being the, the life every day. You yeah. know, it was tough. I wouldn't say tough. It was an adjustment period for me to kind of get used to that normal now, you know, because I knew it was going to last for a long time. Once I got injured, I knew it was going to be a year or so until I can get back into being a normal NBA player. So I just got my mind prepared for that more, more than anything. You know, what were my days going to look like when I'm not traveling with the team, when I'm not in shoot-arounds, when I'm not in practices. Like, now it gave me some time to really 
you know, take care of myself personally, you know, kind of do the things that I always love to do, but I didn't have enough time to do them, you know. So, you know, whether that's spending time with family, reading, watching movies as much as I could, you know, I was just trying to stay in the moment and, and enjoy who I was in that moment and also understand that I'm still on a journey too to get back. So it was, it was fun kind of going back and forth between the two. And I, I definitely, you know, wouldn't have approached this time if I was, you know, 22, 23 years old, it definitely have been way more difficult yeah, for me. You know? So I think with age and time and experience, I was able to take this journey and kind of dictate it the way I wanted to. And as far as um, just you saying taking your time and everything, being away from the game, I don't want to say have you ever taken it for granted before this, but <clears throat> did this help like put things in perspective a little bit? Like you are in your, this would have been your 13th season. You kind of not towards the end of your career, but you're a veteran. Yeah. So does this kind of like put things in perspective? Like, hey, I'm not gonna play forever. And like you saying, being able to spend time with your family and do things that you might not have been able to do beforehand, mm. this helped you figure out something along those lines as well. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, <clears throat> coming in, you you taking all this information as a young player, and you know, one of the things you hear is that you know these careers don't last that long. You know, even though I was the second pick, I've also seen guys that were picked that high then that didn't have long careers. Yeah, Not right. just because of injury either, just because they played themselves out the league. So that was always in the back of my mind, no matter, you know, if I was playing well or not. I was like, how can I, what I'm going to do once all of this stops and who I'm going to be once, you know, I can't just be a part of the NBA no more. So I had those thoughts early because, you know, we constantly hear those talks from the veteran guys around the league, the, you know, MVPA, those programs they have. They always giving us knowledge on you know your thought process as a as an NBA player. So I felt like early on I knew you know who, you know what I want to do afterwards and what I like to do outside of the game. You know, so I just tried to just do more of that. You know, I have time to go home for Christmas. You know, spend it with my family and not worry about a game. That was yeah. the first time I did that in yeah. my whole career. That's you know? So I felt good doing that type of stuff, and it made like. Even though I was injured and I wanted to play, it was like, all right, this, this is pretty cool that I can do this too. Yeah. You know, I felt like a normal person. And, you know, it's, it's probably going to be an adjustment going back to yeah, being an NBA player. You get what I'm saying? Because I'm so comfortable with what I was doing now. So, yeah. But, you know, that's just the beauty of all of this. At this point, we know you, like, fundamentally all the way there. You sharpen, sharpening everything mm -hmm. and getting the toolbox, you know, back to where you were. Yeah. Is there anything that feels sharper than it did <clears throat> last year at this point? You know, my IQ for the game is, uh, I think, is just from watching from an outside perspective, all the teams this year, all the players this year, you know, seeing the younger guys in the league develop, just watching it from a different perspective. I feel like my mind has grown a lot and how I want to approach my craft and what I want to do every single day as a teammate, you know. So, you know, I feel like my mind is stronger along with, you know, I'm handling, I'm playing a lot of one-on-one -on -one lately. So uh -huh. my handle, you know, what comes with that is your handle is a <laughs> yeah. little better. You know, you're, you're more quicker with your moves. You know, yes. you're less indecisive with what you want to bring out. You know, so I'm just crafting that, I guess, that playground style of ball even more mm -hmm. now. I'm just working out by myself or with two or three guys, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Yeah, you know, that's the, that's the cool part about it because it's hard for you to get that type of play in a regular season because you're going right. through a team aspect. You're mm -hmm. training basically with the team and then you want to preserve your body for the season so it's hard to get that bump in you know so if yeah. I'm playing one-on-ones and two-on-twos it's just going to help my you know my creativity you know what I'm saying so yeah. and that was what that's what that's like the main thing that's the timing thing that you that every injured player goes through you yeah. know what I'm saying just finding that rhythm again so hopefully I gain it 
over this time, and once I get into real games, it you know translate a little faster. Yeah, you, you yeah, spoke no about uh, how you've been hooping during the quarantine, the pandemic, and everything. And now speaking about one one on ones and two on two, three on three, are there any other pros that you've been able to get any bump in with during this time period? Uh, just a couple young guys. Young guys like Alonzo Trier, Jalen Hands, uh, Devin Kennedy, a couple you know Kyrie, Karis LeVert. Yeah. Blake Griffin came and you know we've been working out. It's just it's just good sparring sessions. You yeah. know we get shots up. You know we talk about different situations and everything. I mean, it's just it's just a good basketball environment, man. Because everybody still still had that kind of you know game mentality once the pandemic started. Fact. I mean mm-hmm. you know and then you know getting in the gym and getting back into rhythm was pretty easy for a lot of these guys. So it felt felt like it was like perfect timing for me when I was coming back to play. So to have them in the gym has definitely been helping me. Yeah, yeah. Iron sharpens iron. Yeah, so, for sure. And so yeah, no yeah. matter what level we're doing. Exactly. One, one more question about the rehab process and everything. Going through something like this, was there any particular person, player, or teammate, or anybody that kind of like really helped you get through those dark days, or days where you kind of like when you were first going through the rehab process when you might not have wanted to get up and do something, or it might have been like hard on you. Mm-hmm. Is there anybody in particular that you know that you could that leaned on or that was there for you? No, nah, cuz I knew I was getting myself into once I decided I wanted to play. Yeah. Anything could happen. Fact. You know, anytime I step on that floor. Yeah. So, you know, if I put myself in that situation then I know what's coming. So I can't I can't not want to get up because I don't feel like it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's just like I knew what I was doing. So, you know, I knew, you know, before I started these workouts and these rehab processes, I'm like, I know it's going to be some days where I don't feel like doing it, but I still got to do it anyway. You know what I'm saying? And so I, there's a few days I didn't want to be in there leg pressing, but I was still leg pressing. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but, I, you know, those are the dark days, but I still I still did it. It was, not, it was never a day where I'm like, yo, I'm not coming in today. You know no, what I'm saying? The but they knew when I, when I when I was feeling a different way, and I think that was healthy. You know what I'm saying? Because I didn't want to fake like everything was sweet every day. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, but I want, I just wanted to be honest with how I was feeling. Yeah, I mean that's human nature. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Like I mentioned earlier, this was about to be your 13th season. Mm-hmm. So I guess next season is technically your 13th season. Yeah, gonna that's be, gonna be weird, right? Yeah, it's your 13th really season. supposed to be my 14th, but exactly. I didn't play, so yeah. But um. <laughs> I get it back. So now, like, you're a vet. When you've played over a decade, Mm -hmm. you start to see your influence on the game kind of on the younger generation. Like, we saw with Kobe. His DNA was implemented in guys such as, like, Devin Booker. Or even yourself, DeMar DeRozan. Jason Tatum has spoken about the influence that Kobe's had on him as well. Now we see young guys such as Brandon Ingram in the league who might play a similar style as you. Mm-hmm. And then even in the grassroots levels, a guy like Imani Bates. Yeah. How does it feel for you to kind of start seeing your game in a younger generation of Hoopers and your influence and impact on the game start to trickle down to yeah. guys coming in after you? You know what's cool? The cool thing about it is like these, these dudes come up to me and be like, bro, I used to watch you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and when somebody tell you that, it's just like you start to think like these dudes probably was sitting up at night watching me hoop. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I, I was, I, and that's how I felt with Kobe. And that's how I felt with MJ. And so for these dudes to, and Bron, and so for these dudes to, to say that to me yeah. at this age, I'm thinking I'm still young in the game. <laughs> still in my prime. And so yeah, these young right. dudes come up to me and say that, it's just like, if it's cool and, and and when I say these dudes are similar to me, it's not as though like I, I feel like I play like Kobe too. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I don't. It's just my way. You know, I probably shoot. I probably shoot the fadeaway different. You know, mid range. Yeah, mid range is different. But yeah. like, 
I, you know, how I wanted to play his approach is what I took from Kobe. And I'm sure a lot of these guys, you know, starting to look at me and try to form their game yeah. around, like, so how, how can he score this way? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. asking themselves questions as they get older about what I'm doing out there. And, you know, it's it's it's, it's a surreal feeling, to be honest. Yeah. You know, because that was my goal is to get respect in this league as a player. Well, around this world as a player. Anybody who watched the game, I wanted to respect how I played. And I wanted to, like, give back in some way, you yeah. know, to the game or to whoever was watching. Like I said, seeing the younger generation come up behind you and everything, uh, and you said <laughs> you don't feel like you're necessarily old, even though you, you yeah. still feel like you're young, but you came in as a teenager. Yeah. So it's just like the natural progression and evolution mm -hmm. and everything. And so do you feel at this point, you 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 said you just wanted to be respected as a Hooper worldwide. You feel like you've accomplished that, or is there more that you still feel like you want to, to prove? Yeah, uh, no, I feel like there's nothing I need to prove, but it's, it's probably more people who have who haven't, uh, watch the basketball game ever in their life and uh, you know yeah. in the next year or so they might you know turn on the game one day and see me <laughs> and yeah. see our team playing and you know that's an opportunity for me to just let them know what the game is about let them know who I am you know what I'm saying so I, I, I look at it that way you yeah. know and, and I think that's what's pushing me along with like continuing to perfect my craft with other people that want to do the same you know yeah. that's that's probably the two main things I enjoy doing you know obviously what comes with me being a, a you know the top of my game is obviously you know a good team environment wins and all that stuff. So if I just control me and control what I can control on my end, I think it'll it'll yield good results for our team. So I'm, I'm just thinking how I can impact people who watch this who might be new fans to the game, yeah. and you know how I can keep keep you know perfecting my craft. As far as the team setting, you're speaking about doing what's best for the team. We know you're about to be a Brooklyn Net. You were drafted. To Oklahoma City. Yeah. You don't really, well, not really, you don't get a choice to where you're drafted. Yeah. Um, but you had a lot of success there, regardless of how it ended. You guys mm -hmm. went to, I want to say, three Western Conference Finals plus the NBA Finals. Yeah. So you did a lot in your time there. You chose to go to Golden State. Golden State had won a championship before you got there. And even before that championship in 2015, they had a championship already. They had something built in as far as pedigree. Now in Brooklyn, this is like you. And Kyrie choosing to go there, you always starting something on your own. This is like you getting to carve out a path. You chose this. This is what you wanted to do, and you get to go somewhere where there isn't any real history as a franchise, even though they have history as the Nets, a new beginning in Brooklyn. How excited are you to really finally be able to get in there and, and start to, to make your mark in Brooklyn? Um, I'm, I'm excited. I feel like Brooklyn is a, a franchise that has always had, like, some success yeah. you know you you i'm not not saying like championship success yeah. but they you know they've had years where they've been a playoff team right. you know what i'm saying so i'm not look i never looked at them as a franchise with you know absolutely nothing you know what i'm saying you know the jersey fan base was always deep you yeah. know it was it wasn't new york obviously but it was a core fan base yeah. that enjoyed the nets and i always appreciated that you know what i'm saying so and i appreciate that about every team in the league you right. know because nobody has to come and watch us play they enjoy, you know so it's fans everywhere but so i never looked at brooklyn that way but i felt that you know, having young players, I wanted to be around younger players. You know what I'm saying? I yeah. wanted to be around Karis LeVert, guys who I, I got to know over the last couple of years. Spencer Dinwiddie, somebody I, I enjoy, you know, playing against. You know, so everything felt like it aligned when I was thinking about it. And obviously Kyrie somebody I admire his game, you know, I wanted to hoop with. So yeah. it was just like what I, who, who I wanted to hoop with at this point, you know. What's the next experience, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I felt like that would be a good place for me to experience basketball, whatever that brings and everything that comes with me, you know what I'm mm. saying? And I felt like it was a perfect time for me to 
step into that phase. And, you know, this whole thing has been about that. So, to, you know, I'm excited about playing in front of that fan base whenever that is. Hopefully yeah. we, get, we get back out there. But Barclay is nice, too. Yeah, Man. wearing that all black. Like, yeah. I'm just excited about how that looks, you know. And we'll yeah. see how we play. And, you know, for the most part, you know, I'm just going to just keep being me on the day-to-day. Ain't nothing going to change. Yeah. Who in Brooklyn has really surprised you with how good they were, seeing them on like a night to night, like, whoa, that guy even yeah. better than I thought he was? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, it's easy for me to say like Karis, you know, because he is he is definitely better than I thought. Thirty four today, man. Yeah, it's like yeah, he's yeah he's different. He's, <laughs> he's, he can he can score that thing. He can pass it. He's strong. He he's quick. He, you know, it's just his thing is about being efficient now, and I yeah. think that's what you're seeing. The shots he's taking now is like all in his, you know, his lanes. Not a lot of threes, a lot, a lot in the mid range, getting mm-hmm. to the cup. So, you know, I think he, his IQ is what surprised me the most, you know, for the game. And you know, Chris Chioza was one of the guys that came in late, but he Definitely. surprised me. Yeah, he a gem, man, yeah. for real. And he surprised me a lot. But we played, we started playing three on three, and once I started getting back into shape a little bit before the pandemic hit and then he started getting more minutes in the games and he was knocking down threes you know was just playing with pace you know he just looked good he looked like he belonged out there and yeah. the guy who was you know two-way player who was up and down from the g league i'm like he, he really he really showed me that he can he can play in this league and those are kind of like those guys are guys who help you win down yeah. the line those guys who yeah. they fill in the margins but he really a smart player he knows how to play and everything and so seeing that you guys be able to find somebody like that, you think he's definitely going to be able to help you guys contribute next year and going forward? We'll see. I mean, I don't know what the business is going to look like. Yeah, I don't know who you're inside. I, I don't, right. I, I've been so detached from all of that <laughs> shit. So it's just like I'm sure whenever the season's over and yeah. we get this, you know, especially with the pandemic, like I was yeah. obviously yeah. thinking about how our team is going to look. But before this shit hit, I was like, I don't even know what the NBA is going to look like. Yeah. So true. I just got, you know, I just stopped thinking about it. So we'll see. But. You know, obviously, every time you step on the court, the NBA is an audition. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, like, you know, if he's playing well, somebody's going to sign him, and that's the truth. That's the good part. He just want to be in the league. Facts. Speaking of Kyrie, you brought him up. I think it's safe to say, at this point, he has to be the most misunderstood player. And I think that was on display mainly during this whole situation with trying to figure out who the guys were going to – well, figure out if guys were going to play in this bubble and him being labeled a disruptor or whatever by the public, but he was really just doing his job as the <laughs> vice president of the Players right. Association, looking out for uh, the best interest of the players. Um, and then you see him donate $1.5 million to the WNBA yeah. for, their, for the women who opted out. You yeah. see him donating money during this pandemic, donating meals. Like, talk about the guy like Kyrie is and how you yourself are probably one of the more misunderstood players as well, it seems like, when it comes to the media and the public perception. Do you relate to him on that level or in him as a person? No. Um, oh, I mean, with anybody in the league, like, what does, like, misunderstood mean? Like, you know exactly what he's talking about. No, facts. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, all of us do. Yeah. I think it's the truth sometimes can hurt a lot of people. And when you tell the raw truth, you know, especially in this society, it's not, it's, it's frowned upon. You know what I'm saying? And Kyrie just tells it how it is. There's yeah. no sugarcoating. If you walk in to the gym one day and say, hey, well, I don't like how this is going. Yeah. It might not it's, it's probably not going well. <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? But he just don't mind voicing it. But in this situation with the MBPA, I mean, he wasn't the only one that had a problem with like no. you, yeah. you know what I'm saying? What was potentially going to happen in the bubble? Like everybody had concerns, you know. Right. But 
obviously he's Kyrie, the biggest one. Yeah. You know, and that's going to sell papers. And, and at this time, especially during the pandemic, nobody making money. So you get it. You get an opportunity to get some clicks. It's easy to use Kyrie, right. but it's 80, 90 players who had the same questions he had. Mm-hmm. He's just the voice for him. He's not even the voice for him. It's just like he wanted a bunch. Yeah. We all are a voice. Yeah. Yeah. We all had a concern. So it's like Kyrie wasn't the one like, yo, let's get, you know, let's get everybody together. Like, no, nah, we like five or six people call one another and like, oh, shit, I'm feeling that way too. Then another 10 people call. Like, that's how we get it together. Mm-hmm. But Kyrie, the biggest voice out of them all. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Because he relate to the everybody in the league yeah i think you just said something that's really important as far as athletes in all sports as well i think the truth a lot of guys don't really they get a pc answer or a scripted answer and they don't really come off as themselves all the time and a guy like Kyrie, clearly he's he makes no bones about who he is yeah i think that's the thing that probably i don't want to say rubs people the wrong way but that's probably the truth about it like a lot of athletes aren't really themselves or people in the public spotlight like it's just a lot of pressure but he he just doesn't shy away from who he is and what he stands on and i think that's no i mean that's what it is yeah i mean he said all the time i mean he's not gonna let the system or the whatever this is like you know make him conform to something that he's not on the day-to-day whether it's in the as a basketball player trying to tell him how to play as a person trying to tell him how to speak or what to think about or just you know from anything involving basketball like he's gonna have his own thoughts and opinions so it's on it's really on everybody else to just kind of like let him be who he is yeah because it's not bothering anybody you don't get in trouble you know he is who he is one more next question especially i think this one about you said on the knuckleheads podcast back in december about you thought jamal crawford could still win like a six man a year award currently in the league and see a team sign him (laughs) yeah that's crazy (laughs) (laughs) like in that him getting his chance now in the bubble to go down there and play and potentially showcase that he still belongs in the league Mm -hmm. how excited were you for him to get that opportunity i mean maul is just a hooper through and through man one of those guys that just and and loves to play and appreciates being in the NBA. Yeah. And even if he's not playing big minutes, I think it's somebody you need to have on your roster, Fact. especially if he can still practice and still be a player. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I, I understand if he can't move. <laughs> he can't guard anybody. <laughs> he can't play, but he can right. still move. Yeah. So even if you're not going to play him big minutes, he's not going to complain. He's just going to do his job, but also he's going to be good for the younger players. Fact. He's been great for Karras and Joe Harris. Like He's been great for them. You yeah. know, Just been getting reports back from Sean and – you know, some of the guys from down there, they just they just love having him around, even though he hasn't played yet. So once he gets on the court, it's going to be much easier to, for him to kind of get, get acclimated with everybody because he's just been such a, you know, a good dude, or, you know, being around them. So they feel comfortable, even though he hasn't played yet. So you need play, you need people like that on your roster. You know what I'm saying? You know, even if they're the 15th, 14th man, and I think Jamal can provide a lot for you in that role. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If you could throw somebody like him out there, end of a playoff game yeah. or end of a he can definitely win you a game, hit some shots. So He a natural scorer. He's he, been around every team. <clears throat> he scored 51 in his last game. In the right. Like, <laughs> and, you, and you minimize his role, give him a few minutes with, like, Third unit or second unit, yeah. he's he he getting, swing a game he getting you. buckets. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He can swing a game. He can be an X factor still. So at 40, how is he? 41, something like that. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. To shift a little bit, we know a guy like Brad. There's been a lot of controversy on whether he's gonna make All NBA or not. Yeah, and 
people think, you know, should we count in more team or mm. what if the individual doing? Brad putting up 30 a game and yeah. he's going to be left off all NBA more than likely because, you know, Washington isn't playing well. What, what do you think as far as we should go into team or individual for all NBA? Because we know there's money involved here. Yeah, it is, huh? Yeah. It is. I mean, sometimes I forget to think about that. I mean, to me, you're averaging 30 points a game. you got to be one of the 15 best players in the league. It's hard to do in the NBA. It's yeah. hard to do. I mean, I know the pace and, you know, more shots up, and it's somewhat easier to do. <laughs> <laughs> but it's still hard to average 30. And you do it efficiently, too. Yeah, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But, you know, you get more opportunities to do it nowadays. Facts. But you still got to do it. Facts. Um so, yeah, I think that's crazy. I think that's crazy, but, you know, you know what the criteria is. Right. It's always been that. We talked about coming over here about how the NFL did their top 100. And I wish we of, did that. Funny you you talk about that. The NFL did their top 100, and there's a lot of controversy about the NFL players don't know what they're doing. They're like, <laughs> Who's the saying that? A, a lot, lot of people. people. A lot of people, a lot of people don't the think. The Ooh. NFL players are getting it right. Fans, of course. Some players, but, you know, players going to be upset about where their rankings Twitter. are. But exactly. You scroll up and down Twitter, people are talking about NFL players, Patrick Mahomes, the third best quarterback in the league. and See, the, the NFL, list, it's dope how they do it because you actually get the players talking about the players. Yeah. And I always love how they shoot that. But – at the end of the day, it's like it feels like those lists go year by year, and it's like so, a lot yeah. of these dudes put in a lot of work before. You know what I'm saying? And they drop 20 spots because you know they might get double teamed or some shit. Yeah, so right. you know their team got better. It's like they still great and they still do things that affect winning, but they don't get the stats. Maybe. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it'd be weird with the NFL shit. So I I get it, but it's like some people got to understand like the the beauty of the game and yeah. how it's, the flow of the game and how it's supposed to be played. Yeah. A lot of these dudes just want to win. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. sometimes that requires you to get out the way. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's not going to be about you every play. and But you still can be great within, you know, what that is. Maybe that's in football, for example. It's blocking maybe. You might not get the credit for that shit, but yeah. it's going to affect the play. Yeah. So a lot of these dudes, like, want to be well-rounded in their game, but their stats might go down. So it, it's weird ranking people nowadays. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's because you got to think about the full body of talents and what they – what they what they've done up until that point as well as what they're doing right now. Yeah, and also it comes down to with that list as well. Like Drew was saying, the players vote on it, so nobody knows yeah, the players like, better than the guys that's probably yeah, winning. Yeah, yeah, that's the main point. And so, like seriously, like you got the guys who actually in the trenches playing yeah. against these guys, and I know the rankings can go. You can put mix one guy could be twelve, one guy could be fourteen. I mean that's small. Yeah, but. Usually, you know, they gonna get it right. <laughs> these yeah. are the best 100 players. <laughs> what they saying about how these, what these dudes' skills is like, it's probably true. And so, using that to trick to pivot into awards for like the NBA, do you think when players, you heard players' perspectives on players that they play against and who their teammates are and everything like that, yeah. and it can vary from what the media believes or mm-hmm. anything like that. Just saying hypothetically for like who people might think the best player in the world is. You'll get a different answer potentially from a player than you might get from the than the media. Yeah. Do you think that players should be the guys that are voting on these awards, such as like the MVP, Six Man, Rookie of the Year, or how do you feel about the media? Because like I said, it's it seems like it's always a difference of opinions when it comes to what the players are seeing versus what the media is seeing. Because you guys are actually out there playing against these guys. How do you feel about? personal accolades being dictated by guys who aren't necessarily on the court. 
Oh, well, I feel like some dudes that's on the court don't know the game, too. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, there's some, some dudes with low IQs that play. Yeah. You know? And there's some dudes, you know, with high IQs who know the game who just watch. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's like you just got to choose the best of the two. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah, if, but I would love to see some players. Well, not, not – I wouldn't say – uh, players, I would say former players, yeah, guys that really analyze the league from a development standpoint. From, a, from like a like for example, like a Sam Mitchell, like he look at the game, yeah. he look at the game from a development standpoint because he was a coach, like a Hubie Brown. Yeah. If they if they analyze it, if they get a coalition of guys or, or, or a committee, I mean, of guys like that were former players or coaches or something that to, to help the media as well. I think that would that would that would help, you know what I'm saying? Cuz they're going to be they're going to understand the small things that you need to do to win that yeah. probably won't show up on a stat sheet. They're going to look through the analytics like they're going to look at what type of teammate you are, like if you're a real MVP, you know, if you're really valuable to your team. Yeah. They're going to understand that cuz they've been around players, they've been around the evolution of the game, you know, for decades, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. they get a bunch of dudes like that that been, you know, players, coaches, that that shit can work. But how how it's going now is just too much confusion. Yeah. I th- it seems like year to year, the criteria changes. It changes yeah. for what, who wins what awards and what the narrative. It, it basically comes down to narrative. Whoever yeah. got the best narrative. Not necessarily who might be the best player or the most productive player on the court that season. I think that's actually a really good idea, having yeah. maybe coaches who are from a developmental standpoint, because they see the game at a different level than than the average person does, yeah. having them come in and help with deciding these type of things. Yeah, because it's getting it's getting tricky now, and that's and that's pretty that's still a cool thing about the league. You got six or seven dudes now that can average 28, 29, could be MVP candidates. Now yeah. that's making it even tougher. Exactly. You got four or five dudes that can be most improved player or six, like you know what I mean. So yeah. it's like you got two dudes on one team who you like, damn, could. Trez and uh, Lou get six wheel a six man. Which one is it? Yeah. Like, it's so many options now. It's tough to, it's it's tough to really kind of hone in on what you want. You know what I'm saying? You got Greek Freak, Bron, Damian Lillard, yeah. Russell, James Harden. It's just like, who do I give it to? <laughs> do you think you just said all of those guys? There's so many guys who could be the best player basically any given night. Yeah. Do you think this is like the highest the talent level's been since you've been in the league, or is it close to to how high the talent level has been? Cause you played and you've played, you've had the chance to play in an era with guys like Kobe, with Dwayne Wade, Dirk. You've gone through multiple legends and multiple different eras at the NBA. How do you think this current crop, like you just said, talent-wise, stands up against what you've seen? Um, I think it's deeper talent at the point guard, deeper scoring talent at the point guard yeah. than it was before. And I, I think, I think that's probably the only difference. Okay. The way point guards play the game today, just how like the the point guards now can to score that thing like 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 twenty five plus a night. You know, yeah. more point guards are doing that before. At first, it was like Gilbert Arenas, like yeah. coming in for me. It was like Gilbert Arenas, who like high high volume scores. I think mm-hmm. what you got, Russ, Damian, Kyrie. Steph, Kyrie. You got Kimba. Kimba, yeah. You got who else am I missing? So, uh, ja, like even even a younger point guard average. I just seen De'Aaron Fox have Trey Young. Trey Young. Young. I'm yeah. sorry, Mr. Trey Young. Like it feels like the point guards now, you know, you starting to see, and now that makes the floor open up. So you building around your point guards. Yeah. And you don't want the, the paint to be clogged up. No. So now you're getting stretch fours, and now you're getting stretch five. Now you're starting to see, oh, you got more handles now. <laughs> yeah. you, right. Now you get you kicking out to your wing who is shooting. Yeah. You know, so it's like it's like the game is faster now because you're building around the point guards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it, like, and it speaks to like how three point shooting is an uptick and everything. Mm-hmm. Like you said, the spacing, the pace, 
That's a good point with the point guard position. That it's wild to see how it transitioned almost overnight. Because yeah. Gilbert was really a one-on-one kind of when he was in his Imagine career. him now. Yeah. They Gilbert would build today. around him. Yeah. yeah. As far as the bubble goes, you've seen how the NFL and the MLB kind of really don't have much of a plan, it seems like, to, <laughs> to contain the spread of the COVID virus or whatever. And the NBA has done – you got to say they've done a good job in Orlando so far. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think it's definitely easier for us compared to other sports – to condense our traveling groups and to make things a little, you know, because you won't need that much to hoop, you know what I'm saying? Like, compared to football Fact. and baseball. It's you not know? as many moving parts. Yeah, it's not as many moving parts. And obviously, you you already got a, a built-in facility, basically, with the Disney down there in Orlando. they already been having tournaments so for yeah. years and years down there. So it just made sense for us as a, a program, for us as a, as a uh, you know, uh, league. the league. Compared to what, what would you do that in baseball or football? Yeah, it's hard to find. You know what I'm saying? To that, ho- to that much a, space. Yeah, to house. You know, how many teams in football? 32, 32 53 and we players. And we even we even got missing eight teams. Yeah, so that helps it's only us. Twenty two. Yeah. yeah. So in football, I mean, it's hard for them to get a bubble. It's hard for them to find a bubble in baseball too. So I don't want to. I don't want to. Act like the NBA is just so much smarter than these yeah. other leagues. It just worked out best for us, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, and I hope those other leagues get to, you know, figuring stuff out so they can play because it feels like the bubble is the safest place to be yeah. on earth. Right <laughs> now it is. <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. So, um, you know, hopefully those other sports figure it out. But it, it's looking like the bubble is probably the best way to contain and make sure everybody is safe, you know, because yeah. I've seen 18 players caught it in baseball and I'm yeah. sure some football players caught it. So, do you feel like with all of the courts down there, like you just mentioned, at Disney World, it's a more AU-type feel down there more than the actual NBA environment? Yeah, yeah, definitely. More, it feels like, from the outside looking in, it feels like it's like a, like All-American camp, you know? <laughs> right. You stand in, in, on campus at a, at a college, and you're going to like four or five different gyms to hoop, you know? And that's mm-hmm. what, so, yeah, the AU feel, yeah, I'm sure a lot of those guys getting some nostalgia, you know, just mm-hmm. from... Being in Florida, which was always an AAU hub, you know, as us kids coming up. And, you know, just being immersed in the NBA, you know, not going home, not being, you know, seeing some sense of, you know, the outside world, you know, you're just involved in that bubble. So, yeah, I'm sure those guys got an AAU feel, more of a kid-like approach to the game. You think this this type of environment, does this help younger teams or inexperienced teams? You don't have to go on the road, especially if you're going to playoffs, if you're just an inexperienced team. It's not a crazy road environment. It's just like you got to go out there and hoop at this point. Yeah, in the playoffs. I mean, it's right now. It's kind of it's kind of tough to gauge. You know, you never know how these teams feeling. You know, being in the bubble for so long and yeah. maybe being five or six games out of the playoffs, and you know, you never know how the Sacramento's and the Washington's feel Phoenix at this point. You know, the Phoenix. You know, I, I, you know, I'm guessing they're just trying to play good basketball. But you know, it's it's hard to gauge how these teams feel with in this situation. But I'm, if you're looking at playoff teams. A lot of factors come into play, like, you know, no fans, obviously, so the home court is just out the window. It's just yeah. all about schemes, and you can't rely on, you know, the energy from your crowd, you know. So I think it's going to add a, a new look, a new, you know, it's just, it's just going to feel different watching the playoff series, yeah. <laughs> you know, in the bubble. And just knowing that, you know, all of that extra stuff that we may have used 
is going out the window from everybody having the same t-shirts on to the music they play to yeah. your family being in the crowd you know yeah. your favorite restaurant after the game you know you're sleeping in your own bed like all that stuff go out the window it's yeah. all about the game and it's going to be interesting to see you know what team, team rises to the top this would have been an easy environment for you to just go out there and hoop in. There would have been nothing for you. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows how it felt after two weeks of being yeah. in that hotel room yeah, <laughs> and yeah. getting tested three or four times a day. Who knows if I'd have been over that shit after two weeks. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I can't, it's easy for me to say right now, yeah, I'd have been killing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I don't know. But, you know, I know in any environment, once it's coming, once I get on the court and who. You know, I feel like I can adapt to any environment, yeah. but shit, that it's, I'm sure it's taking a lot of, you know, mental strength in order for those guys to go out there and do that shit. Well, who are you picking to come out the bubble <clears throat> at this point? I know we a few games in. Yeah. Is there anything that's like caught your eye in yeah. particular? Um, no, nah, not nothing caught my eye. I feel like I've all of these teams are pretty much playing how they played once, you know, once before the season stopped. Yeah. Um, uh, Portland is a little bit more. Uh, Portland's got they more healthy than they were. Nurkic is good to see him back out there playing with them because they, you could tell they were different without him. Yeah. Just how they played the game, just little the little drop off passes he used to make. You know that chemistry between him and Dame was yeah. growing. You know what I'm saying? So to have him back, he looked really good too. Yeah, he, too good. he always been that safety valve for Dame. You know when he get trapped, Nurkic was good at knowing how to, especially when Dame get chopped out top. And Nurkic catch it at almost like the college three free throw line. He kind of know what to do with it a little bit. Yeah. If he's going to shoot the float, he might pass it out to the wing. So that shit is valuable to have as a big, you know, because yeah. that releases that trap a little bit more, you know, because you're worried about him playmaking behind mm-hmm. that. And now Dame coming off free shooting threes and shit. Like, yeah. Yeah. So having Nurkic back is definitely going to help him. And then you got a stretch for like Melo. It's, it's exactly. gonna spread even more. And Zach Collins being there too now. Exactly. Yeah. Which 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 was different for um, Portland because mm-hmm. it was easy to help off of Harkless and Aminu and Evan Turner yeah. and those guys. So. And like you just said with uh, with Nurkic being able to catch it at the free throw line, like you said at college three, you kind of saw it in the game against the Celtics today. You mm-hmm. the Celtics couldn't really trap Dame out top the way that they you they want to like if a guy like Whiteside was in the game because yeah. Nurkic can do a little bit more to further away from the basket so it just gives them a whole different dimension. I think Boston oh I think Boston never really sells out of traps though. I think they always been a team who just they play hard which they get into the ball and they force you into that mid range area. Yeah. And I think uh, that's a that's a definitely <clears throat> effective way to play deep range shooters like Dame. Yeah. So I think they mastered and it's tougher to do that though because you always got to be into the ball when somebody as great as Dame. He so he got so much wiggle off top yeah. to set his that pick and roll up. You got to always be into the ball. So you know, I think it, it, you know you got guys like, but when you got lob threats like Whiteside, mm-hmm. when you coming downhill tossing that lob, that's what give him that different dynamic. Now yeah. having Whiteside that can play in that in that style, that style of pick and roll, which is he always diving for lobs, and then having Nurkic too who can play out of the traps like that. So I feel like they 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 starting to. Round in the shape. Yeah, you got Gary Trent shooting that thing nice. <laughs> yeah. Playing well with confidence, defending well off the bench, which is going to be key if he makes shots. So yeah. I feel like that's a team that's going to surprise some people in the playoffs. So if they get the AC, them and the Lakers, that'll be a That's going to be series. a good series. Yeah. Okay. It's going to be a really good series because the Lakers definitely had the length over everybody this year. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> JaVale, the yeah, White, the White, the one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So now you throw out. Nurkic, Zach Collins, Hassan Whiteside, yeah. 
those are the three main bigs. I mean, right they now. were running Hazonia. Yeah, Hazonia was playing the five you know, before they, they didn't did. have any. This is a whole new team. But for they can right kind now. of match up with a couple of those bigs. Yeah. Now. The Lakers got that yeah. before the season started. You're looking at Portland and the Lakers. It's like they lacking something. Yeah. You know, so with Nurkic back, they got two bigs, and then obviously Melo could mix it up too and mm-hmm. rebound with. The Mar- the uh, is it Marquise Morris or something? Yeah, Marquise yeah, Morris. Marquise, he can mix it up down there with Kuzma. Kuz, he can yeah. mix it up. You know what I'm saying? Then he can stretch and shoot the three. Yeah. So I think the only thing that would probably made him even better than me was having a reason. Yeah, yeah. They got a legitimate wing defender and a guy who who's shoot. been there and can shoot. Yeah. So yeah, another shooter and a exactly. wing defender, which is valuable at the, in the playoffs. So, yeah. but I think they're gonna be a solid team. Yeah, it's a whole new team, pretty much, than what we saw yeah, before the season ended. Exactly. This and is the team we thought yeah. they were going to be. It feels like, the if because seeing them play this year, it felt like, damn, it's a new new era in Portland. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? It's like, they, it feels like they're going to play different. Yeah. But now having their team back, it's like, all right, this, this, this is the regular Portland. This is the, the Dame and CJ Portland team that I always, I mean, always used to seeing. Yeah, it was a Conference Finals yeah. last year. Exactly. What teams do you think are going to be the ones to make that that deep run in the playoffs in both going, conferences, like the conference finals? Yeah, I, I see the Clippers. Yeah. I see the Clippers being that team. You know, obviously them and the Lakers. You know, that's the matchup, the key matchup. Mm-hmm. But um, it's the the West is deep to me. Yeah. You know, you get the matchups is key. You know, because the Lakers against Houston, they can slow the game down, switch everything. That'll be a tough matchup. Yeah. Then you got OKC. The three you know, guards with that size too that can yeah. slow down that can slow down the Clippers or a Lakers too. You know what I'm saying? So I, I, it's tough, but I got the Clippers and the Lakers as the last two teams in, in the West for sure. And then you got in the East Milwaukee. You know, obviously what they doing over there in Toronto. You know, I like Boston when they when they when they got it clicking. It's yeah. tough. You know what I'm saying? But I, I still feel like Toronto got the experience, that defense. And they play as a team, you know, yeah. so it's going to be hard to take them out. In Toronto, they, they just, it's like they, they've been able to just build something there yeah. to where the last, what, five, six years, their player development is on a whole another level, it seems yeah. like, with those guys they got over there. I just, to be honest, I just feel like this last two years is when Toronto felt like a championship caliber team. Like, yeah. no matter, like, going forward, they, I mean, they're just a championship organization. Yeah. Now. Obviously, with them winning, yeah. <laughs> that <laughs> right. helps, you know, you just you just think about things differently. Yeah. You know, experiences in the NBA is just different once you win a chip. So you're approaching, you know, that next season different. You got that swagger. So obviously that helps, but like it's more than that. You got to build on that each, you know, each and every day. Yeah. And they've done that. You know what I'm saying? From the the players that they drafted, from I mean the players that they bought in from, what's the guys? Terrence Davis, yeah, playing well to yeah. to Chris Boucher, yeah, to, like they and certain guys in there that's just like, you know, you see who they are. You know, you you, you see the talents of a Boucher yeah. out there chasing shit down, you can scratch the floor, and shooting threes yeah. and dunking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Because they got a role for him to play, yeah. you know, and I feel like Toronto has really established a way for them to win basketball games, and they're gonna stick, they're gonna stand on that, and it's successful for them, yeah. and, and that's what that's what, in my opinion, makes a championship organization. Once you understand exactly how you want to win, and you plug guys in to be the best that they can be at those positions, like I feel like you got something going, you know what I'm saying? I feel like that about, you know, Toronto's chances of making it because they got all of that going for them. Yeah. And they've been there before, and the bubble don't matter to them. No, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. None of them. It ain't nothing they haven't seen before. None of them, bro. I mean, they they've picked up undrafted guys <clears throat> like Fred Van Fleet and all of them. Yeah, you know, they they definitely are developing good talent. Van Fleet was undrafted, huh? Yeah, yeah. that's crazy. 
He was one of the best point guards in college. He went undrafted. And he's small, Ron, though. Yeah, that's Ron, what it is. They had him, Ron Baker, Clay Anthony Early. Uh, Wichita State, yeah. They, Wichita. They was nice. Yeah. Yeah, his size is what held him back. But you, like you said, last year, you see in the playoffs, he was making big three after big three for them. In Western Conference. I'm not Western Conference. Eastern Conference mm-hmm. Finals, the NBA Finals. Mm-hmm. He, he, he stamped paid. himself. He stamped mm-hmm. himself. And then this year, he had free agent, he about to get paid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good for him, man. Yeah, so... So you got Toronto versus Milwaukee, and then you got the Lakers versus Clippers. What mm-hmm. do you think is going to be the deciding matchup? I mean, deciding factor in both Damn. of those matchups? If I had to choose, and I hate doing that shit because like, <laughs> you never know what can happen. Yeah. You've seen that with us last year. But if I'm if I could choose, I would go Clippers, Bucks, yeah, in the championship, and I'll and I'll go with the Clippers. You think they, their versatility of the Clippers is going to be too much for everybody? Yeah, they're just so deep. And yeah. I think once they figure out. You know, because it felt like they ain't had all their team together at once yet. No. Nah. You know, for a certain, for a long period of time. And, like, I just that, that talent is just undeniable to me when you got PG and Kawhi that just at the wings. It's, it's, that's what you need to win is wings. Yeah. You got those two at the wings, arguably the top three, <laughs> top four. Yeah. At the wing position, you know, on one team. And then you got the two best bench. Well, not the two best, but the two the best combo. They fit the best a, uh, yeah, out of any bench duo for sure. Exactly. The big, yeah. it's like it's perfectly fit. Yeah. A big and a, a, and a guard. guard. You know what I'm saying? They play off of each other well. Yeah. And then you got moving parts around them like a Marcus Morris, who's a starter on the team. Reggie, Reggie Jackson. Jackson, who's a starter. You got uh, Landry Shaman, La- who's a sniper. Yeah. You got who else coming off? The, J. Michael Green. Yeah, it's endless bodies. Man. Yeah. It's, it's just endless. Joaquin Noah, yeah. even, he giving you solid minutes. So they can go 11 Zubac, deep. That's like Zubac, the, I forgot about him. Yeah, starting five. They got like 12 players, I think. Yeah. 11 players that's like they, actually could play that yeah. you wouldn't mind putting on the court in a playoff game. That you won't be overwhelmed. And you know Doc going to have them already. Exactly. And they all want to win. Pat Bev, I forgot yeah, about Pat, Pat Bev. <laughs> yeah. It's so many. It, like, it's just the like, whole team <laughs> could play in the playoff game. It's facts. Yeah. And so that versatility – like you said, we haven't been able to see that whole team at, for a prolonged stretch. Like, I think before the, the pandemic hit, I think they had got like a about a week or two where they just started clicking before they, the Lakers game had happened, of course. Mm-hmm. And even the Lakers game where they lost. they I thought they looked good still, even in that game that they lost that right before the pandemic. I mean, Avery Bradley went nuclear. Yeah, it's, 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 it's like Paul George still had 30. Kawhi had like 27. So it's, it's going to be hard for teams to combat that. Night in, night out, if both of those guys clicking, because like like KD just said, it's just like they can really strap you up as well. It's not too many, it's not too many teams that's gonna be able to score on them and then outscore them as well. You gotta hope that they they both need to take up the whole possession to score. Yeah, and they, you know, and they're inefficient doing that. Yeah. That's that's the only way that you that I feel like you can beat them in the series mm-hmm. if you force them to use the five or six dribbles to get their shot off. Or 12, 13 seconds to get a move off, to get a shot off, and they miss that shot, and they you end up. You want that. Yeah. You know, but it's, if they get shit easy and they getting past you on one dribble and pulling up and Kawhi palming the ball in your face, and <laughs> doing all of the between the legs, yeah. double cross, stop, side step three, you're going to lose. Yeah. <laughs> you're just going to lose. So you're rolling with the Clippers in the yeah. bubble. Yeah. I want to go back to one thing you said in the beginning, and it, like you said, this, this time away from basketball gave you opportunity to like do things that you might not have had time to do before that you really wanted to like we see it with the business ventures such as what you got with 35 ventures you producing the documentaries a kid from coney island Mm -hmm. doing the basketball county in the water like what 
is life outside of basketball for Kevin Durant besides those type of things? Or do you want to keep building and that's doing those type of that's things? That's my lane. That's what I like to do. Yeah. There's so much that you could build from basketball. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's not, it's it's a it's like a pulse. It's like a, a body. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. The game is just so big and reach so many people. Though. There's no need for me to go somewhere else to get something else. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I can tell stories. I can connect with the youth. I can connect with the older generation. I can build with my peers. I can still hoop. I can if I can't hoop no more. I can still get on the court and teach somebody some stuff. You know, you, you can, you know, all types of walks of life come to our game, so we can get different perspectives from anybody. We can work in any type of business because they, if anybody want to build with us business wise, networking is there because they come to the games, they come to events. So it's like, what? Well, there's no need for me to do to think about like outside the game. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because I can get anything that I anything that I need, and all the stuff that I enjoy was is within the game. So it's just like, you know, when people ask me that, it's just like it's, it's hard for me to like, because <laughs> if I'm not playing, actually physically on the court, I feel yeah. like I'm outside. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So me doing the documentary is like that's outside the game. That's something you always wanted to do. Yeah, documentary. I just wanted to tell. I just wanted to tell unique stories, and that, that developed over time. You know what I'm saying? I just like you know, once I started seeing different documentaries and the way different different industry was telling their stories. Mm-hmm. You know, NFL films. I was like, damn, that's cool. I would like to, you know, tell a story on where I come from, PG yeah. County, or you know, once I got in, once Steph called me to you know, to uh, be involved with that. You know, I was like, of course. You know, it's a story I would love for somebody, you know, yeah. to be to be a part of. You know, so we're just trying to, you know, do unique stuff like that, core core stories that involve a game that probably not a lot of people know about, and hopefully they hit. And you you also just recently became part owner of the Philadelphia Union, right? Yeah. You always wanted to own a professional sports <clears throat> team. Yeah. And so this was like your entry point. With yeah. This. What made them the team? Yeah, I mean, I just, I went down to visit them, and it's just like, everything felt, they, they felt like the Toronto Raptors, right. <laughs> to make it simple, okay. you know what I'm saying, where it's just like, everybody has one goal, it's about development, everybody's going to be um, counted on to be the best version of themselves every day, and they were building something sweet, and I was like, shit, I would definitely love to be a part of that, especially, you know, in a sport that I have really no ties to, so mm-hmm. why not, it's just something new, a different experience, and you know, so it felt right, and I'm glad that they, you know, was able, we were able to make that work, you know, because it's not every day that some shit like that happens, yeah. so it was sweet. Do you eventually want to become an owner of maybe NFL or NBA team, potentially? Um, yeah. You do? Yeah, I mean, it was a sports I love the most. Definitely want to be a part of something like that, you know. A lot that comes with it, you know, there's a lot that you got to do to be a part of that club, mm-hmm. obviously. I would more so like to be able to control a group and have and my and my input be you know used on the team yeah. you know, mm-hmm. from a, even as a owner has a, having an ownership stake but also being involved with the day to day you know yeah. that would be like the end goal for me yeah. today if <laughs> if I had to make a decision today you okay. know what I'm saying yeah. so that would be that would be sweet bro I lived in the Bay Area for college and all that mm-hmm. so I know how far the food can be <laughs> yeah. I know we own the BK now but yeah what do you miss food wise or your favorite go to spot back in the Bay. Oh, man, uh, Kokari was good. That was, like, the great, like, uh, steak restaurant I used to go to. 
fire. I mean, I keep forgetting the name of so many restaurants. Mm-hmm. I used to hit this Italian spot after every game, game my first year in the Bay. I, damn, the name is, is but it's, 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 they know me in there. If they hear this, they're going to know what I'm talking about because I was in there every day. But it was, it was uh, just that vibe in the Bay, though. Definitely. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You, you, the hills and shit. You come yeah. out of the restaurant. It's just like you see the backdrop. It's just like sweet out there. You know what I'm saying? I enjoy I enjoy living there. One last thing. Washington football team. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're from the area. Yeah. How do you feel about them holding that for the year time being rather than going to a, a new team, not having a new name ready? I love it, especially if we want to rush into something because that was going to be uh, that was just gonna be it. So yeah, I, I like to join. This sound classic to me. Washington football team. <laughs> if it had been, if if, if if I if I could nitpick, if it was the Washington football club, I'm sure that would have ran better. Definitely yeah. Washington. F- might sound like some soccer. It like would sound better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it would sound better, but sound classic. It would sound like it would sound normal. Yeah. I guess the Washington football team just so so different. People can't get used to it, but they will. I like it. It feels classic to me. Before we get you up out of here. Like I said, we don't know when the next time it is you, you will play because we just don't know what the future holds. But mm-hmm. what is your mindset? Like, the next time you step on the floor, like, is it anything different than what it was before? No, nah, it's just uh, every possession focus on what my job is and try to do that as best as I can, you know. I was at a level where I was just focused in on every possession. Mm-hmm. So I want to get back to that point. And that, that usually just – I usually play well when I do that. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah, before you had got hurt. You were playing at a level that, as a fan watching, I think that I don't think I had seen you reach before. Just like yeah. having complete mastery of everything and control of the game. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I was at a point. I feel like then nothing changed. The same moves I was pulling five, six years before, I was still doing. You yeah. know, today. But I felt like a lot of the move, the moving parts just work. You know, we had. You know, a nice system that flowed well behind what I was doing. Yeah. You know, if I had an ISO, we had two or three guys that was moving. So if I, I ain't had no shot, I could throw it out yeah. for a three or a lay. You know, so we had it, it just it just worked well at the perfect time. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? And I, I, but I feel like I always been at that level, of, uh, like mastering who, how I wanted to play every night. You finally you dare. So it's been like this, Chad. <laughs> <laughs> ain't nothing changed. Like Business is you, right? But. We appreciate you sitting down and talking to us, man. No doubt, man. We appreciate it. I love what y'all doing, man. I'm glad I can help. I don't know this shit going to get bigger and bigger, but I'm glad I was one of the, I guess, early. You the first guest. Yeah. Oh, first shit, guess. the first one. Yeah, you yeah. first. Yeah. yeah. yeah that's, that's, that's important, man. Right? Yeah, exactly. I appreciate that. Yeah. You know, because you know, I know this is going to get huge, bro. So keep going, fellas. I appreciate you. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, at The Elite Media, and at RNC Radio Live for all of the podcasts, different content that we're going to have coming out. Thank you for tuning in. Until next time, we're out.